the Lord. Amen. Can we sing, There is a blood key of G?
this time. Maybe the brothers could just come prepare for the morning offering. Brother West Nygaard, could I ask you to come? If you would, please open the service for us. Let's just remember our precious brother Biscoe this morning. That the Lord be with him and strengthen him. Also nice to have our brother Tom, brother Murphy back. And the Lord would just strengthen them from their journey and give them good health also. If there's a need on your heart, we know he sees every heart, every uplifted hand, Brother West. Would you please come? Thank you. human standpoint but Lord God if we could look at the word love and the love that you have for us even just a fraction from your eyes from your heart that you have for us Lord God Father I believe that the windows would open of our eyes Lord God the souls of our heart to have just a bigger understanding Lord God of the love that you have for us and what you've done for us and what you're doing for us and what you will do for us Lord God Father, we thank you for bringing us to where we are at this moment, Lord God. Father, you are a precision, perfect, timing God. Everything is in your hands. We're not here by mistake, Lord God. Father, we want to say thank you. We're here. We've come in from a crazy world. It's getting crazier by the moment, Lord God. Everything is turned upside down, but Lord God, your word is moving forward, Lord God. Father, you have blessed us above and beyond, and I think one of the brothers who was ministering said, we will not only survive, but we will thrive, Lord God. We will grow, and we will go deeper, and we will go higher into your word, and we will, and we are manifesting your word, Lord. Father, the prophet said if we ask for anything, we should ask for more revelation, and we do. And we thank you for what you've given us, and we ask for more, and we ask for greater understanding and manifestation of yes. your revealed word for this hour, Lord God. Father, again, I say we stand here as the most blessed people in this world, Lord God. Father, we thank you for your hand upon Brother Tom and the, uh, Brother Murphy, Lord God, bringing them back safely, Father. Lord, we know that traveling abroad is different, Lord God, than just going from one Canada to America or one state to another. But, Father, we were praying for him, Lord God, and we trust, Lord God, that lives were saved and souls were changed, Lord God. Eyes were opened, Father. And, Lord, we come to this morning, Lord God, where we're standing in there. A brother will come, Father, and bring forth that gift that you've placed in his life, Father. But, Father, you've also placed a gift in our life, and that is a gift to hear, receive, and recognize your word. And, Father, we not only want to do that, but we want to manifest your word. Father, we want to be word, living word for this day. We want to shine with your word. And, Father God, it is our desire to draw closer to you. Father, there's been many, many, many requests that probably have not been written down, maybe hands not even raised, but Lord God, there is a request in the heart of each of us, Father. 
You know what it is. And Father, we just ask that you would answer according to your perfect will. And Lord God, now as we take up this tithes and offering, we just ask that you would bless it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be a Christian? Amen. You may have your seats as we take up the offering. Sister Victoria, if you'd like to just come with your group at this time and and get ready and set up maybe while we just have a couple comments, that would be fine. God bless you. Nice to see all of you. If you're visiting with us this morning, just trust that you'll feel welcome in the presence of the Lord and in our midst today. Those joining us by the internet, God bless you. Also just wanted to give a special thanks to those who joined us for the meeting on Thursday. We just had a music ministries meeting and those who joined by way of the Zoom I believe as long as there was nothing out of order, technically we're going to make the recording available to those who couldn't be there, and we'll send that out. I'll just speak with the brothers that were running the tech side. But I started the meeting out. I said, there's a bit of a disclaimer. Nothing is wrong. We are so blessed here at our church with the, the lives and the gifts and the talents that we have. It's just maybe to provide some guidelines and encourage the younger ones coming up and also just kind of tighten things up a little bit because we are truly, truly blessed with the gifts the Lord's given us here. And it's not just for our body here. It goes around the world, and we hear many, many testimonies and comments from brothers and sisters all over the world that have been ministered to by the music and the ministry that goes out from this church. So we want to do what we can to continue to be a blessing. So God bless you. Thank you again to all of those who made it. And I think we'll just go ahead and have the song. song a few weeks ago actually and um, I'm very honored and blessed and privileged to be able to sing this for him. Um, confirmation came with Brother Joseph's uh, service and I just pray that this song is pleasing to him and his presence comes in a special way for us this morning. my petition Lord I lay my burdens at your throne by grace I've come to worship you to you are all the praises due my one request I ask of you that you alone will be the one who shares your secret truths to me express your attributes through me Take me in into the secret place where it's just me and you. No one else will do where you're all mine and I am yours, the Lord and I I lay my burden by grace of the Lord. 
my one request that you alone be the one who shares your secret truths, express your attributes. Please take me in, where it's just me and you, cause no
Thank you, sisters. I invite our brother Michael to come at this time. Why don't we sing that song, Egypt, I Won't Forget, The Wonder Have You Brought. Amen. We'll just start with the first verse. Amen. As brother Michael will make his way now. Has he torn apart your sea? Have you been to a place where you looked at a wall of water that looked unpassable? 
a situation that looked impossible to, to you, but he tore apart the sea, led you through the darkness into the light. Lord, that's why we've come to worship you this morning. Lord, for you reached down your hand, you plucked each one of us out of the clay. Lord, in darkness we sat, Lord, wretched sinners, Lord, far away from you, but oh God, you stepped out of glory. Lord, mindful of your creatures. Lord, you desired, as we've heard over these last little while, fellowship. And Lord Jesus, we want to give you back the praise and the honor, our love and adoration to you this morning, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord, this morning. We're wanting you to come, Lord, and speak to our hearts. Lord, we invite you as the songwriter penned the words, welcome, welcome, Holy Ghost, we welcome thee. Lord, we praise you. We desire to worship so that you would come and dwell in the praises of your people. Because we long to be in your presence, Lord. So would you take this little service this morning, words that will be spoken, Lord, I pray, Lord, it goes to the hearts of your people. Lord, you alone know the need. You alone know the burden. So would you guide the speaker and the hearer. And you would be glorified this morning, Lord. Lord, we fight a battle. Darkness, Lord, encompasses this world. But Lord, you sent us a light. And Lord, darkness cannot overcome light. Light has all the power, oh God, even some may think they're the weakest Christian here. But Lord, that little light that resonates inside them pushes back the darkest of darkness. And so Lord, we join our little licks of fire today and may the brightness of your presence, Lord, so surround us this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Good morning. God bless you. Good to see each one here. Take your Bibles this morning. Thank you, musicians. A little reminder that there's no Wednesday service this week coming. It'll be Friday. Brother David McGeary will be here. That'll be Friday and Sunday for our Thanksgiving. Next week is Thanksgiving. We have much to be thankful for. My, that I'm living, that my eyes have been opened in this day. I don't know what's going on up, up there, Brother Jonathan, but it sounds pretty strange. I'm thankful for a message at this hour. Am I just going through the word and the preparing? And I just said, Lord God, what are other people seeing? They're, they're just lost. And I'm just so thankful that I've been found. Amen. We can turn to Romans 8 this morning. Thankful to Brother Murphy, Brother Tom, this back with us. I know they had an incredible time. We're eager to hear about it. So pictures and... I wanted to be the fly on the wall and Brother Murphy, saw Brother Caleb and Brother David and Brother Run, my goodness, I'm, I'm sure that was a precious moment. Yeah, our hearts are with them and the believers there. Romans 8, probably one of my favorite chapters, that's for certain, so it will be a scripture that you all know quite well. Thank you for the song, Sister Victoria, that's indeed the burden my heart this morning and maybe through the course of the morning that's where we desire to be is into the secret place where it's just him and me 
just him and me. Romans 8. We're going to start on verse 5. For they are, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded is enmity. That's hatred and hostility against God. The carnal mind is hatred against God. Enmity. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's pretty clear, isn't it? And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life. Because of righteousness. But if, the, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Amen. Your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? That spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Amen. You may have your seats this morning. Verse 6 is where I'm going to maybe just take a little bit. I know Brother Tom spoke before he left uh, his mind. Uh, Brother Daniel spoke about the family on Wednesday, and I was, had this thought and some notes wrote down a little few weeks back and just thought, you know, some thoughts just kind of sit there for a little while. Maybe after Brother Daniel's service, I just thought, well, Lord, is this the direction? And so this morning I'm going to speak on the confusion of identity and uh, maybe some things will be maybe sound hard, uh, but it's Bible and it's message. And uh, we are battling a very dark day and a very strong spirits of this age. And the word of God is no equally less strong. It is stronger. It is stronger. So when the enemy comes in like a flood... And he's battling and he's dark and he's hammering this world. God's going to hammer back, <laughs> if I could put it that way. And so this world, everything in this world today is, is carnal and it is full enmity. I would say full hatred for the things of God. Absolute full hatred. And Brother Daniel spoke on family. And I can tell you that the devil has a hatred for family. He hates it. It's vehement. It, it's, it's bold. The spirit of this day is there to break it, as we heard. And so I, I know maybe there'll just be some things that'll be said that uh, will refer to that maybe a little bit. But maybe it was just the Lord, I would believe, maybe just continuing us into a, into a thought and setting your, our minds up. But Satan is, is there to destroy, as Brother Daniel said. And he's brought a, really, he's brought a state of confusion for what family actually is. He's confused the minds of the world. Uh, the concept of family is broken. And because, it, because man's carnal idea of what it is is being imposed on you in the world. 
And so we know from this morning that the carnal mind is enmity. And if we can just hold that, anything that this world gives as its thoughts on the matter is enmity to God. All right, so if we lay this, lay that down right at the beginning where we live in our day and age, we go to work, we go to school, we hear the thoughts of man continually. And I will say again and again, it's enmity to God. And so then we must be very careful, but to filter the thoughts of man through the word of God. And if it hits the barrier, God's word is there to stop the thoughts of man that are going to be contrary to the thoughts of God. Man, I buttoned up my coat so I can just stay a little bit more calmer this morning. Forgive me. 1 Corinthians 4, 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion. So if you're confused on any matter, it's not God causing that. God is of peace, as in all churches of the saints, is what the scripture continues to say. God isn't, God, God's word is there to restore you of peace, to bring, bring, a, bring, a, bring you to a place where there's no unsettledness. Confusion is a tumultuous situation, an instability, hence an unsettled order or an unsettled state or an, an, a disorder, I should say, of commotion and even sedition. It's a disorder of the mind. It's a disorder in purpose. It's confused. It's mixed up. In fact, that's even at the beginning, the Babel is what that means. Babel means confusion, even Babylon. And I just, you know, if you look at the scripture, I'll even read a quote here shortly. Genesis eleven three says, And they said to one another there in Babel, Go let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to and let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad the face of the earth. And some called a city of Babel, or in that turned into Babylon, the city of pride. And they hoped to make themselves a name, something that something would be talked about. They'd leave a monument of their pride and their ambition and their folly. And one person said they did it to prevent their dispersion. Lest we be scattered abroad the face of the earth, as it was told to Noah to multiply and replenish. And they said, lest, let us make us a name, lest we be scattered. And so they were actually against the desire of God to replenish and full disobedience to say, we are not going to reproduce and replicate and replenish the earth. We're going to stay just here, make our own name, a city of pride we will be and do our own thing. This is Babel. Isaiah 13, 19 says, In Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, excellency. Excellency designating pride and majesty and arrogance and excellence shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. So you can see where God conceives the origins of that. But Abraham says, The subject tonight begins in Babylon. He's speaking on handwriting on the wall. Babylon was first located, which it is yet, in the Shinar. And it was first called the gate of God. Babel, later called Babylon. He said it means confusion. Babylon appears in the first of the Bible in Genesis. It appears in the middle of the Bible. It appears in the last of the Bible. The last book, Revelation. And being all through the Bible, it must be in existence yet today. Indeed it is. Confusion 
is amongst the people today. People are confused. I don't even know. I know it's coming up, but they're want, the, the economy's confused. The government's confused. I don't know. Did they shut down? I won't. Don't answer me. I don't know. They were supposed to shut down tomorrow. Everybody's confused what to do about it. What's the path forward in our housing crisis right now? And what should we do? We should raise interest rates even more, maybe, and, and cramp down a, a little bit. They have no idea what they're doing. They're just they're throwing it out there. They're, they're confused on the situation. How can we be doing this, but yet the economy is still growing? How are there more jobs, but yet we're cramping down on this side? So they don't understand. It's confusion. What's the way to deal with all this, these issues of inclusion and diversity and all these aspects that man is, is throwing down the throats and people don't know how to handle it or, or even what, you know, get down to our everyday job. You know, what do I do for my career? As many out there, what, what, you know, what's my future? Is there marriage in my future? Do I go this way or that there? Do I even want a family? Some are even asking, what is family anyway? Or what even is a husband or wife? Good grief for that matter. What is man? That's where this world is. Really boil it down. What is man anymore? What is a woman? They're confused. Who am I anyway? Is what many are probably asking themselves on this planet right now. And I'm going to tap on some things and I ain't going to be bashful. Because there's a confusion of identity. And we're in the largest identity crisis, I think, known to man and to all humanity on the earth is filled with more confusion about who they are. Who am I? They don't know whether they're a guy. They don't know whether they're a girl. They're somewhere in between. They don't even want to put the gender nonconformist. You talk about confused. I know. Don't you tighten up on me. Don't you tighten up on me this morning. This Bible... God created man and woman. And this devil is out to confuse the identity of that. And I'll tell you why as we get through the service, why he's so desirous to break the identity of who you are. Identity is a quality or belief, a personality trait or the appearance or the expression that characterize a person. You say, what's my identity? What's my distinguishing character? Or personality of an individual. And I know everybody here this morning should be able to say amen to everything. And many of this might not even apply in a sense to you. But we're shouting amen. As we heard a service by Brother Jean not too long ago. Amen to the word of God. It's thus saith the word. So that if anything, the devil in all of his, wherever he is. But he could maybe bend an ear this morning. And hear a people that are going to say amen to the word of God. Yes, sir. Thank you. Amen. An identity at its simplest is a label that we apply to ourselves. Maybe your gender, your class, your nationality, your ethnicity, your religion. It's a list of categories, and so some will then identify to something. They say, well, identify with that. That's my identity. You know, I, I'm from this place, or I'm from this area, or whichever. It's a, it's, it's a label in its simplest form. I know it's a big topic, and I'm really bringing it down to the, a little pinprick. But it seems like now it's a daily decision to identify. It's like I can change every day what am I identified with, because everybody feels they need to identify with something. They, they feel or say that you belong to a particular group or people, and it's complete confusion. You know, 
I cannot just to say if I was born here and I am a Canadian of such, and I'm just going to generalize in a little bit, but I cannot identify the tomorrow and say, well, I'm Norwegian. It, I, it just, well, no, but you were born in Canada. You're Canadian through and through. I mean, that's, your roots go back to Canada. I know, but tomorrow I'm going to identify with Norway because I feel that way. You're like, you're insane. You, it's insane. But that's normal today. It's okay to do that. And, and people just, yeah, okay. Because uh, somebody was in the supermarket a little while ago now. And, and uh, there was, I believe it was some senior discount or something on. They said, well, do I get the discount? They said, no, it's for seniors. But what if I identify as a senior? What is the cashier going to say? They're so scared of what they cannot say. They're like, well, you know what? For all she would have done, she probably would have given her the deal. You might feel like a senior, but you're not. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Identity. It's important. It is important because it gives you purpose. It gives you drive. Who I am. What I belong to. It brings a comfort. Amen. It's, that's part of me. I'm part of that. There, there, there's, some, there's an important to know what you're identified with. Amen. And a part of Amen. It's a, you know, and, and so when someone has no identity, my goodness, they just it just sucks the life right out of them, or puts them in this this confused state. If they they don't know when I'm this, I'm that, then they're misled from one to the other. They bounce around, and all their efforts and their strengths, their real traits that they have, they're just wasted because they have no. They're just confused on their identity. And the world it's concerned with identity because they're concerned that their identity is going to be stolen. My goodness, identity theft and. You know, all the protections that man puts in place now. They, you know, good grief, you need to have passwords about this long. Brother Aaron, my goodness, we've got some serious passwords around here. Look at that on my app. I said, dear goodness, that's like 25 characters. Because people are so concerned about identity that it's going to be taken from me. Someone's going to then propose themselves as who I am. And so that's a, that's a big problem. And so there's so many things and biometrics and such that are in place to preserve our identity. Unfortunately, I'm just going to go on to tell the world that the biggest identity theft has taken place. Satan has stolen the identity of humanity already. Amen. The identity of man and the identity of woman has been stolen by the devil himself. And he holds that in his hands. And men and women these days have no idea who they really are. Eve, she stepped out behind that security wall of the word and Satan stole who she was. Satan's continued to try and steal the identity. He even tried to even confuse Christ as the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, command this stone that it be made into bread. And so Satan was posing, is this really who you are? Are you really who you say you are? If you are, prove it to me. He was trying to bring him to a place to confuse the identity of who he was. I'm sorry, but God didn't fall into it. <laughs> he didn't fall into the trap or the trickery. 
Amen. He didn't go, he just went straight to the word because his identity was in the word. Amen. Your identity is in the word. Anytime Satan tries to pose something to confuse you, where did Christ go? Back to the word. It is written, devil. It is written. Amen. That's where we must go. Not to man's ideas, man's dictionaries of what they say man is today. Who are you? Go to the word. And he'll always attack our identity. And that's where we are today, under attack. But before we go any further, we all believe the word of God to be the absolute, do we not? This morning, amen. Mark, or Malachi 3 says, for I am the Lord. Who wants to finish it for me? And I change not. I'll finish it for you. God don't change. He's unchanging. His word doesn't change. If he said it there, it's forever and for always. Amen. And it's, it, Brother Branham says, anything contrary to the word, look, let me tell you something. Listen to this closely. All right? I think we'll do that. He says, this is the complete divine revelation of God, his will and the coming of Christ. Everything lays right in this book. Amen. Completed. And if anything draws you off of that, throw that compass away. If anything draws you off of that, throw it away. Whatever ideal, whatever conversation, whatever friend, whoever it is and whatever it is, it's a compass that's getting your North Star or your bearings off the North Star, throw it. Crush it. Do whatever you need to do. But it needs to be this and this alone. Amen. Just making sure that we're all on the same page this morning. Brother Bram says, if I die in my tracks, my absolute is Jesus Christ. And upon that is what I believe. If everybody walks out, if everybody got up in this congregation and walked out that door right now, he said, God's word is true. It actually don't matter to you or me whether you think it's true or not. Walk out of here if you do, but it's true nonetheless. And then I'll just go off quote and say that the message of this hour came to put a magnifying glass on this word. And it also is true because it's part of this word. And so what this says and the message says, it's only putting a magnifying glass so you can see what the word is saying. And therefore, I'm going to be reading quotes and it's just as true as this word. The word is controversial. I think Brother Jean spoke in that a little while back. And you might not like what sometimes it says, but that is a carnal then thought. Blessed is he, the scripture says, that is not offended in me. And in this day and age, there's a lot of offense to the scripture. Because it doesn't maybe line up with the times. I don't care about the times. I care about an unchanging God. That's what I want to line up with. Amen? And so, Satan is out to destroy our true identity. 
and the biggest identity theft of all. And so now he's been able to skew, if he can skew and shift who man is and who woman is, then he's then confused what a wife is. He's then confused what a mother is. He's confused what a father is, what a daddy or a husband is. He's, con- he's, he's jumbled it all up so that manhood and fatherhood and motherhood and womanhood and all of that is all confusion. Because a real man is a reflection of God. And a real woman is to reflect his bride. All right? But Abraham says that's exactly the way the Bible says it. He made first the trees, botany life, and he made man. And the last thing ever come out of the earth in the form of creation, nothing ever higher come. He said it's a perfect reflection of the highest in heaven. God is a man. He said, therefore, it proves that when God came down to dwell among us, he was a man. A man, so it shows that the perfection of evolution was God, which is a man. Man was created in the image of God. And I'm just going to walk through some very, should say, simple or basic aspects of Scripture. But it's there to maybe bring out, like I said, maybe, uh, maybe it's one person, not that you're confused, but to nail it down so the devil can hear it. You know Adam, if you came and asked Adam, he said, well, Adam, who are you exactly? What's your identity? (laughs) That would be a very easy question for Adam because he'd be like, well, I'm him. I was made in his image. My identity is in him. That's who I am. It wasn't a hard thing for Adam. He just said, well, who are you? What exactly are you composed of? What are your characteristics? What are your traits? What are are your likes and what are your dislikes? Adam, who are you? What are your characteristics? Ah, ask him. (laughs) That's who I am. I've been made in his image, in his likeness. What he is, I am. What his likes are, I like. What he hates, I hate. I'm all of him. Amen. Amen. He just pointed right back to God. Genesis 1. Now we know that God was a spirit filled all time and space. And so when man was created in the image of God, I would ask the question, how many images did he make? How how many men did he make? I could say if there was three, if God's image was three, he would have made three. If God's image was two, he would have made two. But God's image was not two or three. He was made in his image and God made man, not men. All right? God wasn't in a crisis of identity. Oh, well, who am I? Which one should I, should I produce? Is it, am I this? Am I that? Am I someone in between? And that's essentially what the Trinity's got. They got one over here, one over here, one in between. They don't know nothing of who they are. God was one. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and the over the earth and over every creeping thing upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Because God was both. God was masculine and feminine. And so when he created man in his image, he created a spirit man with both inside. Amen. Amen. What was Eve? Her Adam, her and Adam, but Abraham said were the same. They were called Adam. They were spirit. When he formed man for the first time, he made him in his own image, and God is a spirit. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So we have Adam, 
that composed both masculine and feminine attributes and aspects of him, inside of himself. And Genesis 2, 5 then says, And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up from the midst of the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. So we have man that was made in the image of God. Male and female created he them. And then God took that spirit man that formed both of those attributes or both of those uh, parts and put him into a body of flesh. And we now have Adam that has now come in flesh on the face of the earth. And the Lord God formed him and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. His identity is still in the image of God. So God goes and creates man to till the ground. Flesh man now is in Eden. How many? <laughs> Thank you, Brother Tim. One man. After all that scripture, if someone can try and find three or two gods in there, after God created a man in his image, how many are there in the garden at this point in time? One man, Adam alone. Now, I maybe point out, here's Adam that composes both aspects and attributes, masculine and feminine, and it was both. Adam was complete by both of those. God's complete by both of those sides of, of, of who he is. It's not that one is better or worse than the other. It needs both to make a whole. It's complete with both, all right? Just keep that in your mind, please. And God said, my goodness, Adam... You need to help meet. It's not good that man should be alone. Is that what happened? Think about it. Here God is. We heard on family and fellowship and all of such. And he's desiring to express this, to have a family. And he says, it's not good. This, is, this was a, a very high, high uh, concern in God's mind. Adam, this isn't good. I mean, out of all the things that could be happening, his focus was here on his son that he's created in his image. He says, no, this is no good. You cannot be alone. It's not good for you to be this way. And so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. God, the first doctor, the first operation, the first operating table was there in Eden as he there took Adam and put him into a deep sleep. Jeb, a, a, a supernatural anesthetic, was administered, and there whew, Adam went out, and he started to take a bride from his side. And he pulls out of Adam a portion of him as he starts to form now a part of him in flesh. All right, this is where he's at, and he takes out of him the feminine part of who he was. This is the feminine part of who Adam was, it was part of him, and he removes that and he places that now in another body of flesh and brings Eve before Adam and says, Here you are, and administers the first wedding there in Eden. And so now Adam and Eve, masculine and feminine, have been separated, but they are no less any two, they are to be still one unit. First was just a covenant with Adam. Or brother, or brother, uh, sorry, Brother Bram says, first was just a covenant now. So we have Adam and Eve. Brother Bram says Adam and Eve were co-equal. One man, one woman. He said, now the woman sinned. And what did she do? She throwed all that to death. And 
We won't go into too many details of this, but we know what happened in the garden. He was in God, had to make a covenant by that, another covenant. And so we realize at the beginning here, before the fall, Adam and Eve were co-equal, Brother, Brother Branham says. There, there was no, le, le, one was not, like I said, super, super, you know, minimum and super. They were needed to complete, a complete package of such, because the two shall be one, one flesh. And, and so we realize now Eve, though, is deceived. She disobeys. She commits the sin in the garden. And then we have, now God has to make another covenant. And Brother Branham says this here in the quote, but first in Genesis 3, he says, Unto the woman, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. This is after the fall and thy conception. And in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. This is God speaking. God is defining the woman's identity. All right? He is setting in place, this is who you are. God is saying this. I don't care what man says. This is God's word. He is saying, your desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, because thou hearkened the voice of thy wife, and eaten of the tree commanded, uh, that I, which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. And in the two verses down, he says, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread until thou return unto the ground. And so man is now getting defined, even of what his part and even a little bit, a window into his identity. Men, you work, you labor, you slave away because it's been given unto you to do such because of in the garden. And so God mandated a new covenant, not a co-equal covenant actually, not the same. It was one for man and one for woman. But Abraham says he called, made it two covenants. He dressed them different. They're different altogether. They're always been different. There's two covenants right on down through the Bible. I'd like to preach on that double covenant one night sometime and show you what the difference is. Oh my, he says it's tremendous. It's even in your marriage and divorce cases. If you only knew the truth of that would settle the whole matter. The whole matter. If you knew the truth of that, it'd settle the whole matter. The truth of what? What the identity of what God made man to be and what God made woman to be and how those identities work together. He said it would settle the whole matter. They're different. They're not the same as man so drives at this world. They're the same. Woman should be like a man. Man should be like a woman. We're equal here and everywhere. God made him different. And if that ideal is so soaked in your brain, I say you need to saturate yourself in something different to realize that God created man and woman to be different. Might I just say this right now? I'll just say my whole message right here. Why did God, why is God so concerned with the identity of man and woman? Because it is a direct reflection of his relationship with him and his bride. And if God, if Satan can skew the identity of the woman, he has skewed in your mind what the bride should be. Therefore, you cannot receive the word of God. If I sum everything up, that's what my message is. It's stewed the identity of the bride. That's why the churches of this day can't receive word seed. 
because they're out of position as the woman is. Oh, you go back while the world says this, the world says that. It's because God is wanting to give seed. He wants to give his word to a bride that will receive it. Submitting to him. Submitting to his word. Not saying it's my thought, my ideal. That's why he fell and he was cursed. It goes far beyond, well, man and woman should be equal and get equal pay and all this garbage. It has nothing to do with that. But if you have skewed in your thoughts what a woman and a man should be, how do you expect to receive from him what he has for you? Ah, we'll get there. We're all the same. Fight that out with God. They're different. It's a losing battle. It's your American privilege, you say. If you're a lamb, a lamb forfeits his rights. He don't have but one thing. Wool. Forfeit. I can dress the way I want to. None of your business. It's not me, brother, sister. It's the Bible. From that time. God made man... Made him dress like a man. Made a woman dress like a woman. Made them act different. Made two covenants with them. It's always been. But Abraham continues in there as he says, Oh, your Adam might let you do that, but brother, God won't. He says, Now you men sit around and do such things as that. Aren't you ashamed? Men who say they're men of God and act like that. He says, How can you go into the deep things of discerning the spirit and things like that? If you don't even take the first things. And so that's why the devil is so concerned about the first things. <laughs> because he knows you can never get any deeper. If your identity of who you are in Christ is spoiled and confused. You'll never get to the deep things. So I say, this is a deep thing. <laughs> it's the beginning of all things deep. And if you miss it, you miss all the rest. Meet God, he says, and find out what's different. Find the difference. It'll make you act right. It'll do something to you. It'll change you. And now we know with the fall, you've stepped aside out of the boundaries. I can't change that, and you can't change that. You, I don't, you can bemoan it or whatever you want to do. I don't really care. You just can't change anything about it. It is what it is. Now, God... Was allowing a pattern, an arranging a pattern, the identity of man and woman under this new covenant. It was, as we said, going to reflect him. I could pretty much just fold my pages up and say good afternoon and goodbye. I feel like I just unloaded all the, all the power I had anyway, but here we go. We'll fill in the blanks now in the middle. And so he made a husband because he was going to reflect who he was as, a, as the vine, and we are the branches. As a bridegroom, we're the bride. As the head, we're the body. Now he was expressing this through an Adam and now through an Eve. And every son of God that was in his place was going to be a reflection of his image. 
of his place and identify with him. The same with the bride. It was going to be a wife. Attributes of a bride, attributes of a wife. We're now going to be entrusted to be reflected through the woman so that she would reflect in her every day a God-fearing, God-filled daughter of God was going to reflect in her everyday life the very expression that God desired of his church bride to be. What a responsibility we have to ensure that we align our identity with the word. Our identity is the word. But through the fall now, to be here a, a reflection now of true fellowship, God bringing family. And, but God was not ensure there's definitely not going to be any confusion. God clearly, clearly was going to define through his word, what this should look like and all the different expressions even down through the Old Testament and such, he would start to unfold the different attributes of family and, and what that should be in his, in, his, uh, in his relationship with man. But Abraham says now in Christ and the church is just being made known, the whole thing is the revelation of God to take Eve back to her right position with her husband. Noticed, God is the husband of the church and the church is the bride. This is God's end all goal, as we preached that a little while ago. And Satan has striven, and he's striven to break that identity so that the church is not his bride, but the church is her own denominational harlot, rejecting the seed of God. And so, man, I, I'm not going to spend all time per se, but man has been defined, and here's current psychological. Uh, the psychology realm has now, in actuality, they have said psychological science has determined that masculinity is socially constructed. Masculinity, this is on psychology website, masculinity, what God made man, God made man. God made the masculine traits and made the feminine traits. How many times do I need to say it? Who made that? Thank you. Man now somehow has designed carnal enmity to God. Has designed and determined that masculinity, all that Adam was and is, is socially constructed. And is a reflection of the views that society has on how man should behave. Oh my. Enmity. Society is now the governor and has, is the view and is the gospel on what a man should be. Ichabod. Additionally, research has found that there is no one way to do masculinity. Indeed, masculinity can look different depending on how on one's different identities, such as gender identity. <laughs> oh, that's man's thinking. That's your halls of learning. That's your news feeds. That's everything you consume. That is their mind. Their design of what man should be. My goodness. That there, I will tell you, and I'll tell myself, and I'll tell them, there is only one way. There is only one way to be man, and that is through this word. God has defined, God made man, not man made man. 
Come on, man. Who are you that think you can pull yourself up but not a speck? Can I pull myself up? Where's your mind gone that you think you can make man in whose image? Enmity to God. I'll tell you what man has made. Some weak-kneed sissy. That's what they've made. Flits around like a little butterfly. Don't even know how to treat a lady with respect anymore. Because they don't even know what a lady is. That's the problem. Somehow, in their mind, they've conjured up that man needs to be some plaid shirt. Some sort of muscular behemoth of a beast. Yeah, that's not masculinity. My goodness. Man can't have emotion. This is what they think man should be. That, you know, man can't cry. That humanity has put on these sons of theirs that have been produced. Well, to be a man, suck it up, boy, you can't cry. Suck it up, you can't do any emotion. Come on. Did Jesus cry? Did David weep? What is this that man can't have emotion? It's skewed. It's an identity confusion. Man, these days is just but a brute beast. Seeking immoral desires and treating women like they're disposable. That's the image of man that they're running from because it's the one that they've allowed to be, that Satan has created. But it's a perversion. But Abraham says man isn't measured by muscles. (laughs) What did he say? He said he's measured by the bags on his knees from prayer. Men. Yeah, did God create certain traits? He did. Because the scripture states such. Men are ahead of their home. Men are a leader. They're not a boss. They're not a dictator. But you're the head. You're the initiator. You take initiative. You're to lead. You're to govern. Scripture says, and I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances that I delivered unto you, them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. All right, is that clear? I know that's so contrary to this world, and some of you sisters might even have to buck that. But that is Scripture. And the head of the woman is the man. The man is the head, and he is led by Christ. So men, I tell you, how does Christ lead you? Does he beat you on the head with a bat and take the word and whoop you into shape? No, he surely does not. He leads you with love. He leads you with care. He leads you with comfort. He might have to straighten you out a little bit, but it's always with the intention of your good. If we just lead our houses like God leads you, your house would be a different place. And not to add on to that, you have double responsibility to ensure that you lead that correctly because you are responsible for her. You have double responsibility. She ain't responsible for you and your actions, but you sure are responsible for her actions. So all the more reason that you better ensure Christ is indeed leading you. You're the provider, as we heard on Wednesday. As Christ provides for you, so you are. The identifying traits of him. He provides for you. He gives you all that you need. Need, not want, need. Sisters, not what you want. Well, I just want this and I want that and I want all the best and all that. No, no, no. He is required to provide your need. Don't you put unneeded pressure on the man of your home as he's trying to provide, trying to direct, trying to govern, and you're putting all your wants. He's to the provide your need. 
If you can get to your wants, you're a lucky lady. But man, it's God through you actually identifying himself. You're in his image and you are presenting or representing his traits. You're identifying yourself in him by doing and putting yourself in place. If you're not, I ask you, who are you identifying? Spiritual leadership. Where your family turns to guidance and leadership is to you. For wisdom is to you. You're the watchman. You're the one ensuring that there's no, you haven't let nobody in through the gates. That's your role. What's God doing? He's watching over you. He's protecting you. He's making sure nobody can. He gave, he gave you a word that ensures that would put the barriers about you so that Satan wouldn't, couldn't come and get you. That's you as a husband, as a father, as a man. You are there to watch and ensure. Is anything coming? Yeah, what's my child? Mm, I don't like that influence there. I just head down, working 85 hours a week. Don't even have a clue what my kids are doing. That is no watchman. I'm preaching to myself. Brothers, these are identifying characteristics of him to you so that we might be in our place so that when your wife, so that she has a correct and not a confused view of what Christ is. Because if you aren't reflecting him, she's got a skewed identity of who he is. So then how can she receive from him if what you are presenting to her is something total confusion? Now, sometimes I preach pretty rough. This is Brother Branham. <laughs> so. <laughs> Somebody, getting out of line, you see you're supposed to do that. A real daddy will. He'll shake you and say, hey, Get back here in line. It's a real, true father. And that's why we can have some preaching. Might be a little rough, but it's a father that's pre- coming down to your level and saying, he's going to get back in line a little bit. Sometimes your pastor has to say, wait on, down on something. Just love him that much more because he's a real father to you. He's trying to keep you lined up. He's watching over your soul. I can tell you because no pastor wants to have to walk up in front of judgment and say, God, say, you know what? I need to deal with you because you actually weren't watching over them. That's the responsibility a pastor has. And so when it comes down to maybe something's cutting just a little bit too deep, you just need to say, as Brother Bram says, well, just love him Amen. that much more. He's watching over your soul, which the Holy Ghost has made him overseer. And you must always watch that. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. Amen, we went there. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their husbands in everything. Well, that's pretty clear. As the church is subject to Christ, sisters and wives and such, if you are, you come to church, oh, Lord, I surrender to you. I want to do your will. Be it unto me according to thy word. And go home and the husband's well, I think we're going to do this. Are you kidding me? I don't want to do that. I mean, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. I mean, there's a reason, this reason, this reason. We should never do that. Well, all right, I'm leading you for nothing. 
Oh, I surrender all. No, 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 no. No, that's a skewed identity. The church is subject to Christ. So also in the homes are we subject. But oh, husbands, you're no dictator. Love your wives, husbands, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. My goodness, husbands, if we just lived that way, men, if we lived that way as a man that walked as a gentleman and conveyed ourselves in the way God loved his church and gave himself for it, that is an intense love. And say, well, I'm just going to just go as we know, and we, I won't even go in forsake of time as God bankrupt all of heaven and said, forget it. I'm going to leave it all behind. My love is too, too intense. It's too precious. I love them too much. I'm going to lay down my whole life. If we actually lived our lives that way to our wives, our families, and the family of God? That's how we're supposed to live. Don't get this, you know, submissive, you know, I'll put on my feet, man, or whatever. Come on. You're confused. I'm not saying you, I'm just saying the world's confused in that idea. And gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. What love? That love. Young men as you would be coming up if God would tarry and you have a wife and have a home, you'd be listening to this message. That he might present to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. My goodness, I tell you. Ain't that one just a verse that someone could pen to their, to their fridge in the morning? The amount of time you spend maybe pumping your own iron or doing the things you love to do. Yeah. You just love to do your stuff, but do you put that amount of love into your wife or into your family or into the family of God? Oh, my. Ah, because he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't think this this morning. Well, God did. But Abraham says, he tells you, uh, my, listen, you're supposed to obey your husband. That's the word. If he tells you and refuses you to read the Bible, to go to church or something like that, you don't have to obey that. This quote. He said, he that won't forsake father, mother, husband, wife, or whatever, and not follow me is not worthy of mine. He says, man, you're not supposed to use authority over a woman just because he's a ruler. He's a ruler. God is her ruler over above you, brother. And if your wife is doing something wrong, then, then you got a right to tell her. And she's supposed to listen. Hmm. But you have got no right to beat her or to drag her around and do things? No. That's where this world's got so weird. And, that's, and men in their carnal mind is, has treated each other so, so wrong. So then the pendulum swings so far the way. Just get middle ground. It's right here. God made man as a helpmate. God made man a helpmate, not a doormat. She's your sweetheart. She should always be that. One year in, Jack, if you're listening ever, four and a bit months in, she'll always be your sweetheart. If men actually lived this way, the world would indeed be a very different place. Amen. Yes, sir. Now, First Peter says, Likewise, husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as in the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together, heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers 
not be hindered. I'm having to move a little bit more here. But Abraham says, if we just treat them, remember, they're God's children, your royal family, your royal blood. No better blood in the world than yours. <laughs> he says, I'm, I'm a son of the king. My wife's a daughter of the king. How would I treat that king's daughter? How would she treat that king's son? You know, he said, well, that's just simple stuff. I know. But back there, Brother Bram said, you can't get the first things. How are you even going to go any deeper? And if you can't treat one another with the, the right identity of who she is and who you are, how do you go any further? You can't. That's how it is. He says, the kind of man we need today in government, in church, and anywhere else. He says, in times like this, for leadership, we need a man that's filled with the Holy Ghost. And that really is the bottom line, isn't it? You know, when a woman was made for the man, Scripture, I know a lot of times we can, we can Brother Branham, you know, a lot of people say, wow, he, you know, he, he was a woman hater and all these different things Brother Branham speaks about. And then that just means they didn't read the message. They, they took a line out of some filthy website is what they did, but they have not read the message. But Brother Branham was crying out, and if the, the sisters can actually see what he was crying against, it was because the reflection of the woman is a reflection of the bride and the church, and the church was going far off, rejecting the seed of God, and he's crying against it and against it because your image and manifesting what is happening in a supernatural realm. Not a woman is not meant to have an iron disposition, but Abraham says she's according to the Holy Scripture to be submissive. She, that is commanded of her. Woman who's truly female, all female, not man's idea. I didn't even put, my goodness, I tried to get a, what, what feminine is today, couldn't even try. What the world thinks about it, I'm sorry. It's so way off there. Woman who's truly female, all female, will be of that disposition. Not a doormat. No, no real male makes a female doormat. This is a different quote now. But she'll want to be under authority and not rule over the male. I'm sorry, but that was God-ordained scripture I read at the beginning. I am not saying this because it's my idea or my, my thought about the matter. It's God's thought on the matter. Man, if you hate it, well, then you hate God. If she breaks that image that God made for her, She's perverted. Any male that let the woman take authority has also broken that image, and he is perverted. So it's both sides. He said, that's why a woman can't wear that which pertains to a man or cut her hair and never wear garments that pertain to a man because they're different. That's what we read a little earlier. And when she does, she's intruding into the male domain, taking authority and perverting herself. And when a woman invades the pulpit, which is commanded she must not do, she shows the spirit she's of. Being a dominating female is antichrist. You know, you might have to go home and maybe you have to shake up your little home a little bit. And maybe brothers, you need to say, well, I just haven't been in my place. Exactly. And maybe sisters say, man, I've been just a little step out of my place. That's okay. Let's just get in line. And seeds of the Roman Catholic Church are in her, though she may deny this ever so vehemently. But when it comes to the word, let God be true, and every man's word be a lie. One fellow said, feminine modesty. Brother Branham quoted this, actually. That beautiful quality that God has placed in the human family. Oh, my. 
It is so rare we get to see it here. But in the world, on a grand scheme of things, it's not seen. In the millions and millions and millions of people, it's a glimmer, female, feminine modesty, that beautiful quality that God has placed in the human family to safeguard its moral standard. Think about it. Is dying today as innocent women and girls have bowed their knees to the goddess and fashions and do not hesitate to confirm to the most extreme of shamefulness of modest modern styles. But Abraham says that little lady like, you don't see her much more. She's a hard person to find. I would pray that some, something drops in our sisters this morning. Lord, may I be that hard to find. <laughs> may I have that quality that's hard to find these days. And man, she's, a, she's not supposed to stand up, act like a man, big and burly, because she's dainty. God made her that way. He said, I can prove by the scriptures. Yes, sir, that's right. But Abraham, and the scripture says, and God, the Lord said, it's not good. That man should be alone as we've read it. He made a helpmate. And so God made a helpmate. And I would say this to the sisters and to the men. And if you would read even Proverbs, I believe, 31. And as it goes through who can find a virtuous woman and all of her qualities. It's an incredible thing of what Solomon outlines of the industriousness of actually a woman. (laughs) And her home. In her place. She's an incredible helpmate. In her place, out of her place, well, Solomon says some other things that a woman can be. And so is a man. is perverted out of his place because he's allowing these things. But it's a helpmate, Brother Branham says, to carry on the plan of God. Out of your place, you're, you're inhibiting the plan of God to move in your life and in your home. My, that's what a helpmate is. It's someone that's suitable to carry that plan of God that he's outlined for you. A woman is the best helpmate that God could give a man. The best thing that God could give a man is a virtuous woman. Who can find a virtuous woman? For she's more, she's more valuable, more precious, I should say, than diamonds and rubies and such as the scripture says. And I'm not going, actually going to go much deep into, into the, the, the woman. You go into the scripture. You say, Lord, if I've been out of place a little bit, I'm not going to go through the whole scripture. But what it has been in this day and age is the identity crisis to break the family, to break the identity of a woman, to break the identity of a man so that you're out of place and cannot receive what God has for this day and age. Because scripture says, for this cause, cause man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined into his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Just raise your sights a little higher. Not into this carnal realm and man's carnal ideas of what it is. God had a plan because he's wanting to reflect a different in something in the supernatural realm. I'm going to say a couple of little quotes here. These might be a little bit tight. But here he says, he said, man is not a byproduct of a woman. Woman is a byproduct of the man. He says, I know that scorches, but it's gospel pill. It'll open up your spiritual digesting tract and let the Holy Spirit sweep through and make you a different person if you'll believe it. What the Bible said, he said there. He said that. He says, oh, can you hear it? Or is your ear already stopped up? Now, if you doubt this, first read 1 Corinthians 11. When you go out and find out if it's not. So if that applies to anybody here or out on the internet, do that. 1 Corinthians 11. Other scriptures, Isaiah 6, Isaiah 5, he goes through a whole bunch. He says, but your husband is so panty waist, such a sissified substitute as a Christian. He's a disgrace to mankind, let alone the kingdom of God. You think I'm strong. You think any preacher's strong. You didn't read that. 
that will, let, that will let you do such a thing because he fears you more than he does God. You'll kick him out. He don't care if God kicks him out. He can go to the Presbyterian or the Methodist, but if you kick him out, oh my, what's going to happen? You goddess and goddess lover, why don't you get a backbone in you? That's the word of God that's being cried out in this day, bringing back the identity of who a man and woman should be in their right place. But the goddess and goddess lover, he says, get some backbone in you. He says, I know. He says, something make me talk like that. I don't know. He says, I'm not scolding you men and women. I'm only warning you. Thus saith the Lord. The reason why it might, because you have been so oppressed with the opposite. You are bombarded by the opposite. That man, good grief, all this ridiculousness and why, how on earth in this day and age, go back 50 years, how on earth is a ridiculous film of Barbie at the top of the charts? Seriously, some pink clad Goddess, some little man, oh, whatever you say, come on. Why? Because that's what's being pushed down the throats of this world. And I'm saying the identity is confused. God has a correct identity. That's the world you live in. That's what your sons and your daughters are going to school looking at and listening to, hearing all talked about. It's wrong. You're going to come to this church. You're going to find out it's wrong. It's of the devil from the pit of hell. All this mixing of genders, crisscrossing gender barriers. It's a full rebellion to God's word. Because that's the day we live in. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And this day and age of homosexuality is rejecting the seed. And they're rebelling against the image of God that he created. It's witchcraft. Shut me down. This is the word of God. Man has rejected the seed. The church of this day and age has rejected the seed of the word of God. And the seed holds the blood. The seed holds the life. The seed holds the power. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Don't you go singing about it out there, not here. Don't go singing about it, but actually rejecting it. Hypocrite. Oh, that's why this day and age... Laodicea, a woman age, I'm increased with goods and have need of nothing. And the woman in this day has no need of the man. Oh, you think it's just goods? You think it's just stuff? No, no. I don't need the seed. Oh, this might be a little deep for you. That's where we live right now. She's rejected the seed of God. I can do my own thing. I can support myself. I can get a good job. In fact, we're pretty much parody. I'm going to make as much as you do. Why do I need you? And now it's not a need. It's just a fling want. Oh, there's this out there. That's this world. 
And then you wonder why men are committing suicide, and depressed, and this, the other. Because there's no need for them. God made them to be a provider. God made you to support, to nourish, to be a protector. What are they? They're nothing but sissies. They don't do nothing because the woman don't need them anymore. It takes both. And so spiritually and naturally, the woman church has rejected and refused the seed. Not wanting to be identified. Not desiring that her identity is in him. Rejecting her identity. Yeah, man used to support. Man used to protect. Man used to nourish. That was his part. And he'd come home and he'd feel fulfilled. And he'd come home and he'd get home and put his feet up. His little precious little wife. She's been taking care of the little ones. She's got a meal there today and she's nourished and providing and taking care of the home. And that little family unit was in perfect harmony. That's what God ordained. And the fabric of the home has been just torn. But God sent a word, as we heard on Wednesday, to bring restoration. God needs. It doesn't change. Man and woman still need each other. And God needs his bride. finish here God hates denomination hates organization he said when the word it's a little bit of a lengthy quote but maybe help me help me go through he says to join he's looking to join the church to the head unite the marriage of the bride the bridegroom call will come right through this when the son of man will come down come in human flesh to unite the two together the church has to be the word he is the word and the two unite together to do that it'll take the manifestation of the revealing of the son of man not a clergyman I don't know I don't you see what I mean it's the son of man Jesus Christ will come down in human flesh among us has that happened he's preaching it it's happening right then and there God is being revealed Jesus Christ himself among us he'll make his word so real that he'll unite the church and him as one the bride then she'll go home to the wedding supper amen she's already united why because there's a bride that is wanting to identify herself in him and she is saying I know this world and it's rejection and it's confusion of identity but my identity is in you I am submitting myself to thy word. Whatever you desire, you are who I am. I in you and you in me. Is that scripture? Oh, and the word here unites with the person and they too become one. Then what does it do? It manifests the son of man again. Not the church theologians, the son of man, the word and the church become one. Because that's what God has desired. That the identity of him and his bride are one. Had an age when there's so much confusion. Jesus Christ reveals himself in such a way present. And there is a bride 
present who takes the word, amen, and she's not confused of who she is. That's why the, the scripture, or the, the quote says, just paraphrasing, that when she recognizes who she is, the rapture will happen. That's why, when she knows, because if, if you don't know who you are and where your identity is, where are you going? Who are you part of? That's why Satan wants to confuse the identity of the man and the woman because you need to be identified with him. Oh, my. And without him, I could say this. Without you, he's not complete. (laughs) Complete, complete, complete in him. Amen? You are complete. We are complete in him. Amen? You complete him. And he completes you. Better. Tim referenced the script, this quote. He says, oh, on his last Sunday, when the seal's broken, broken to who? Not to Christ. The seal's broken to the church. Oh, my, that makes me tremble. I hope the church truly understands uh, it. what I mean. You people, I'm going to call you bride. Because it's uniting time. Because his word is, came to reveal to a people who you are. In a, an age of confused identity, in an age when the woman has rejected the man, when the woman church has rejected the man Christ, in this age he's revealed a word that is to bring back to you who you really are. You know, it's quite a thing when a man, young man, Starts to realize maybe <laughs> this is just I just you know when she when he, he starts to recognize maybe there's a young lady that they start to see each other and he begins to speak to her a little differently he starts to realize hmm, he's talking to her but why am I talking she she I'm enjoying her a little bit more and then there this relationship starts to bud because he's starting to recognize whether he knows it or not and whether she knows it or not there's a part of him in her and he's more that he speaks to her he, he's just like there's, there's something special about her yeah of course there is it's you actually in her and there's something special about him yeah because there's something you are in him and there's this relationship that starts to grow and that's what this word was doing to you he was speaking to you he was giving his word to you he was sending a message out fulfilling the word of God because he's trying to tell you this is actually I'm a little part you're a part of me and I'm a part of you I'm in you and you and me we're together in this and we are husband and wife Eve's identity is wrapped up in Adam Eve was pulled out of Adam. The bride was pulled out of his side as he was riven there on the cross of Calvary. If you look in scripture, Adam was put down into a deep sleep. And there he was pulled from his side was a rib. But there was Christ on Calvary as he was put into a deep sleep on the cross. There he was, his side riven, and a bride was pulled out. That was you and me. Part of him, our identity of who we are is in him. There should be no confusion. (laughs) Hallelujah. My, oh, these days, people, wives not even want to take on husbands' names. Of course it should be that way. That's the age we live in. I don't want the identity of my husband. Yeah, I'll marry you, but I'm keeping my own name. That's the big trend. That's a big deal. Pfft. 
change all my stuff? You mean I got to change my Twitter handle? Forget it. <laughs> Instagram and just redo all my names? Are you even kidding me? That's my identity, not yours. Yeah. Oh, God. I want my identity to be wrapped up. Every part. I just want to all cover me. I don't want nothing of me to be presented. I just want the word. You say, who are you? I'm this. Where's your identity? Right here. I'm behind the word. This is who I am. All of this is me because I was pulled out of this. I am Mrs. Jesus Christ because this is Jesus Christ. My identity is in my Lord. Oh, no, I will ascend. That's Lucifer. That's why as we try and come to a little close, Satan, he just wants you, you to talk in your own identity. But Abraham says, though, when we come to meet him, we'll not have, we could not stand in the presence of God. There's no way for us to do it. But when we stand in him, he's already recognized the sacrifice. Oh, my goodness. What a deception that Satan has, that someone is able to become before a holy, awesome God and be able to stand there and be like, I'm here on my own two feet of who I am. I have you know that I had like 18 million followers on my TikTok. Oh, okay. And? Well, that's a big deal. Yeah, I don't really care. Do you know that if you are not covered in my blood and you are not identified in me, there's a burning hell? Oh, well, uh, I didn't care about all that Christianity stuff. Well, right now you should have cared because there's nothing else I can do because it's all over. Mercy is now gone. I'm sorry, but the lake of hell is where you must go. Say, but Michael, that's pretty straight. That's what it is. It's at this time God's saying, identify with me. I am the bloodline that you need to be part of. Cover me, oh God, with thy blood. I want your identity to overflow me. I want to stand there and I want to stand in his presence. And he's looking, he's saying, Well, uh, all I see is me. Sorry, who, who's here? Uh, is, is that my it's just my blood? I don't see anything. Maybe there just be just as me, Lord. Oh, yes. It's part of my bride that's draped herself in my righteousness. Yeah. You know, these DNA tests these days, everybody's finding who they are, who their identity is. Yep. Yeah. And they found out who they're not, actually. Yep. And they get the little test back, and they're like, ah, oh, uh, the, um, their whole world shattered. I read one article, one, I think one person found out they were actually of, uh, of Spanish descent, Hispanic descent or something, they didn't, they didn't for whichever purposes, and it, it just blew their world. But then all the realization started to come, like, right, well, that's why I like this and that's why I identified with that and they, they started to realize their, their prior world was shattered but then it started to dawn on them why they were a certain way <laughs> come on yes many found their different race they suddenly have a feeling and then they're like oh I just want to then some just dive into their their newfound identity 
Because they're like, wow, I didn't know this is who I am, but man, am I glad. They're stoked to be part of something different for whichever reason. I thought, well, yeah, yeah, I've taken a DNA test. I've taken a sample of who I am and submitted it to the word. Who am I? Where did I come from? Hallelujah. And the word came out and something struck your heart. You're like, wait a second. Something's different there. I'm being called from another place. Hallelujah. Your heart began to throb. You begin to hear the masterpiece. Hallelujah. Something was starting to open the invisible union of the bride. Christ is a mystery of God revealed. You're submitting a sample to the word. You're saying, wait a second. That's who I am. The adornments of this world, the enticements of this day, the desires of it start to fade away. Of course I don't like those things because I'm not from this world. Hallelujah. I don't identify with Canada. I don't identify with the United States. I don't identify with any African nation. I don't identify with China or Europe. I identify not because I feel like it, but because my DNA is the Word of God. I'm not a sinner today and a saint tomorrow. I'm a saint every day. Because my DNA is from a kingdom, not built a maker of man, but of God. Hallelujah. That's where my identity comes from. Hallelujah. And some people get their DNA test back. And they're ashamed. Oh, I didn't want to be part of that. They have a terrible history. I'm ashamed to even call them my country. So they choose to remove. People get ashamed of who they are. And they start to remove things that would identify them with that place. And they start to cancel their culture. Yeah. Well, you throw down the statues. Crush Christopher Columbus. Good grief. He's the one who showed you the new world. Goodness, without him, you wouldn't even know you're here. Now forget him. Out. And so it just goes like crazy. Push down George Washington. He's your first president. My goodness, you got to do Delaware. No, there's some terrible things. I want to forget it all. I'm ashamed. And it just ripples through where they start taking down anything and everything and bringing themselves to a place of no identity at all. Void of identity because I'm ashamed of it. Satan. Satan is the biggest cancel culture alive. Because he's been trying to remove the monuments of Scripture since it was written. And discredit every story, every aspect of Scripture, so that you could have no identity 
You cannot go back and be like, well, this, yeah, I know, but it's a terrible past. You actually don't even want to identify that. Really? I mean, Israel, Israel went through all that land of Canaan and killed everybody. They possessed it, but did you know they killed children and this and that and the other? Oh, you don't even want to think about those things. Actually, just, just forget those chapters of the scripture. Really, do you actually think God means for men and women that women should not wear a garment that pertains to a man? That's repulsive in this day. That's actually terrible history. You should probably, let's just take that sculpture down. You mean men are providers? Women are supposed to be silent in the church? You mean they're supposed to be submissive? That, that is so contrary to this age. Are you not ashamed of that? That you should just cancel that. You, you should tear the sculpture down. Tear the statue down of 1 Peter. Forget Ephesians 5. Tear the sculpture down. And Satan, you say, well, Mike, you're hitting on some, some things that are... No, no, I'm just talking. Get your eyes up a little bit. The spirit of this day is tearing down everything. The monuments, the memorial. That when Joshua crossed the river, he says, go get 12 men. Go get stones. Place them here as a memorial of what God did. Yep. There were some, not maybe some good things of the plagues that struck. Of the disobedience of the Dathans and the Chorus and the difficult moments. There was the quail and there was the manna. But it was all there as a memorial. The good and the bad. It's there. God was there with us all the time. We had some times when he needed to bring us back in line. It was difficult. People died. Yes, but I'm identified with it. Put the stone down. I'm just here to tell Satan, you can't cancel God. Cancel all you want. Remove the identity of man and woman in this world all you want. Do what you want. You can't cancel God's word. And I'm unashamed to identify musicians. Why don't you come? To identify with every aspect of scripture. You say, well, you identify with Jacob the deceiver? Well, yeah, I know he was a deceiver. Went there before Isaac and did those things. Yes, but an angel came. (laughs) And he took a hold. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And he changed him. Yes, I do identify with that. Because somebody here maybe was a deceiver. But there was an angel of God that came down into their story. And they held on to them. I identify with Jacob. Oh, my. What about with Rahab the harlot? Yeah. I know, but she put a token out there and it covered her household and her and it saved her. You better identify with her because I too am identified with a token. I too received a token in this day. I identify with every aspect of that scripture. You know why? Because you have the same DNA. You're from the same place. You're from the same kingdom. That's why Shamgar was out there. And he was sick and tired of being pillaged. And the DNA that resonates in you was resonating in him. There was some architecture in the chromosome that there was a thus far no further moment. That you also have. 
And when he said, Mm-mm, devil, you ain't going to take my family. You ain't going to take famine and my little ragged wife. I'm going to be the head of my home. I am the provider of my home. I'm going to do all that God, this is my possession, devil. And so my DNA activates something inside, a trait coming from the invisible one. Because you are made in his image, he says, all right, whoa, here's my ox goad. I'm after them. Daddies, your DNA, go after them. That's my identity. Little Ruth, I'm going to go. Where you go, I go. Where you die, I die. You're God, my God. What was it? It was DNA inside of her, identifying herself because she was attributes from who she came from, from this word. And it's the same attributes in this bride is saying, oh God, no matter how difficult, no matter the times I live in, no matter how dark, I'm going where you lead me. Where you lead me, I follow. I surrender to your word. Whatever it is, if I got to die here, whatever it be, I surrender all. It's my identity is in him. But Abraham says, I still want to be identified with that group. I'm still there. I remain there. I was born there. I've always been there. God placed me there. He goes, I left my church to come identify myself with a bunch of holy rollers. I'm one of them. I'm identified with them. He says, maybe. But Billy, you lost your mind. Maybe I did. But I found Christ. He said, I found the mind of Christ, which is at enmity with man's mind. I found his word, found his presence, found that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Care what anybody else thinks about it. You ready? This is me. Oh, I love that quote. I highlighted it. I bolded it. I said, yes, this is me. I'm everything this is because I was drawn out of his side. This is who I am. Yes, sir. I'm the one that has to make my identification. I'm identified with him by God's word. These signs shall follow them that believe. I'm glad I'm identified in that. Yes, sir. Amen. Is that your identity? I pray it's a little less, well, not a little less, totally unconfused. Not with this world and its ideas. And if you somehow maybe something was a little bit, whew, a little sharp or something, well, you just go read Marriage and Divorce and Invisible Union and maybe some of those messages and get in the scripture and you'll find out it actually is the very mind of God. Amen. Why don't we stand this morning? God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm not who I say I am. I'm not who I say I am. Yeah, 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 that one. I think that one. Yeah, who in the sun sets free is free indeed. Yes, sir. We've been made free in this age. Oh, my, the world would say, oh, that's bondage, sisters, to be in that state. Oh, man, that's, that's in a place you should never be there. That's wrong of you to actually be a man. Oh, and that's what the world is saying. But I've been set free by a word in this day. Come and taste and see 
Don't tell me about it. I'm, I've tasted. Don't go speaking to me what you think it is. I've tasted. You say, what does that water taste like? I don't know. Come and taste and see. It's really good. And that's what it is when you've tasted of the goodness of God. Amen. I am who I say I am. Let's sing that. for you. Amen. You know who did that? There was one man one day and his name was Legion. And he was there out in the tombs because a legion of demons had told him and had possessed him and had changed who he thought he was. 
His identity was now. So when Jesus came, they came up to him and he said, Who's your, what's your name? And they said, I am legion for we are many. They had overtaken his identity and were speaking to who they thought he was. They were speaking who they thought he was. But it was the son of God on the scene. The word was in his midst now. That was not the case. Because when God said, loose him and let him go, or cast those demons out, it doesn't give us a name, but I can tell you, it wasn't legion. His identity was brought back to him. Satan might have claimed your identity this morning and confused you, but the word of God has come to bring clarity you're not legion no more. He took those demons. They wanted a place. They said, oh, don't send us nowhere. We need to go into those pigs because they had to be identified in something. Say, God, loose anybody here. Bring them back to who they are. Legion stood there, wanted to come up, wanted to follow Christ. Why? Because his identity had been brought back to him anew. And there Brother Brennan starts to talk to him as he says, no, you go home and testify. You know what he did? He dramatizes as he comes home and he's walking down the street now. His whole identity now made clear of who he was. He was no more oppressed by a legion of demons that had been cast out. Even scripture says at the finger of God, demons are cast. At the finger of God. It's nothing for God just to cast out the devil. I don't care how many legions it is, but he has confused you on who you are. You are no longer legion. You're a son and daughter of God. Identified in him. Legion came home. He's walking up those old things. His little wife. Look at now. Devil has taken a man, confused his identity of who he is. And what has happened is his wife is now out of place. She's out of her home. She's trying to do some little washing, trying to get a little money. Her little ragged little kids are running around. They're out there, kicked out of their home. Why? Because God, because the devil has skewed the identity of who that man was and broken the home. And Legion, his name is not Legion, comes now. And he's walking to his neighbor. And they start to run as hard as they can. Mom, oh, you know, wait a minute, sweetheart. I've been restored. Who I am has been restored. He says, oh, oh. The wife said, oh, 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 oh. He said, no, wait a minute. Don't run. Something's happened. I can see him walk. Little tattered sleeve on his little wife's dress. Little poor little children strangling and trembling. He put his arm around them. I can hear one little boy say, what's happened to daddy? Mother, mother, what's happened to daddy? I can see the tears running down her cheeks. And he put his arm around little mother and around the little kitties. He says, no, wait a minute. Let me tell you what happened. Daddy has come in contact with Jesus. And my identity of who I am to bring order back into this home has been restored. Why? Because the word... The word said who he was. This word has come in this day to tell you who you are. To restore you and I of our identity. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, why don't we bow our heads this morning? Lord, you didn't just come to speak a word for no purpose. You've come to restore, Lord, who we are. Lord, and oftentimes, Lord, in the scripture, Legion was there off into the tombs. Lord, running around because the devil confused him that he was identifying with death, identifying with man's mind and carnal understandings. And Lord, even this day and age, someone can be sitting in a pew, but really it's a legion in their mind. It's, Lord, causing them to think there's something different. Trapped, oh God, but you are the restorer, Lord. Lord, you placed that there in Scripture so that it wouldn't matter how big an enemy it was, how many, for we are many, is what the devil spoke. Lord, I don't care how many it was, you still, Lord, you still delivered him. Lord, you still, Lord, renewed his identity. You still brought him back to his right self, his right mind, as Scripture says, with this morning, Lord, in this presence of your word. Lord, if somebody, Lord, is needing a restoration of their mind, and maybe a restoration of their home, Lord, a restoration of their position. I pray that their identity, Lord, has been spoken to them this morning by the reading and speaking of your word. Oh, God, may we not leave here confused of who we are, Lord. Because, Lord, that moment when each one of us of your bride comes to that full, Lord, realization, I am chosen. I'm not forsaken. I'm the bride of Jesus Christ. And he's given me, oh, the authority to speak your word. Lord, we take that in our hand and today we'll go forward, not confused on who we are, but walking as the bride of Jesus Christ, our identity in you. Lord, I pray I commit your people. Lord, may, oh God, you continue to speak. Don't end right here, Lord. Lord, maybe some things may be a little straight. Lord Jesus, it's your word. So Lord, I can't, I can't ask forgiveness for your word. It's your word, Lord. But Lord, I would pray, Lord, it was spoken with love. And Lord, that you'd forgive me if it was not. And it would land, Lord, in the hearts and souls that we would come in line with the word of God. So Lord, I pray, Lord, your people, may we just bask in your presence, Lord, today. This Sunday, this resurrection day. And you would brood and draw us close to your side now. In Jesus Christ's name, amen, Lord, amen. Oh, that's why I am not ashamed. Oh, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let's just sing that sweetie to him. Oh, like you're in his presence. Like he was asking you, are you ashamed of me? Are you ashamed of my identity? You say, no, Lord. I'm not afraid to be counted, oh, but I'm willing to give my
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll be a man of man. You'll be a woman of women to carry the identity of this bridegroom and bride for rapture. Amen. God be with you. God go before you. Take this week. May the onslaught of the enemy feel the heat of battle as you go forward with God's word. Amen. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me sing it as you shake hands with one another. I'm not ashamed. God bless you. Oh, I'm 